Hello and welcome to The Connected Generation. My name is Nikia Anani and I am your host. Here on The Connected Generation, we explore all things legacy wealth and legacy businesses. How to build businesses and wealth that would outlive the founders and have sustained impact, not only over time, but also over space. And we have these conversations with genuine authenticity, curiosity and vulnerability. This week, I was joined by an incredible, incredible guest, Faisal Alibi, who's just, he blew me away for so many reasons. His story is so inspiring. Faisal today, he's the founder of Care, which is the world's first family health office. But what really blew me away more than what he does now is how he got to where he is. He was 35 years old, a third-gen family business entrepreneur, successful with over 10,000 employees in 15 countries, and Faisal receives a call that he has stage 3 cancer. He felt that his life was over, and when he was unable to visualize saying goodbye to his two sons, he chose to do whatever it took to transform the cancer. And to maximize his odds of surviving, he turned to functional medicine integrative doctors and beyond and built a team of world experts to support him and seven years later his cancer went into remission and he felt like he'd moved through the worst but he then received what was in his words felt like the harshest blow of all his wife proceeded with a divorce looking back he recognized all the warning signs that he had missed and spent the next seven years helping his family and friends prioritize what matters most. In 2013, Faisal founded Chinetacare, the world's first family health office, like I mentioned. And Chinetacare's mission is to empower individuals and families through an integrative well-being journey of self-discovery to transform their way of being to live a meaningful life. I find this so moving, so inspiring that... Faisal has essentially sown the seed of this really difficult circumstance he went through and sown it towards blessing the family world, family enterprise community the world over, helping folks prioritize what matters most, looking not just at their wealth, but looking also at their well-being. And in this episode, gosh, he blew me away. I was just like taking notes i have five pages of notes (laughs) from our conversation it was just it was so full of wisdom and inspiration i'd encourage you to listen in and share this episode with a friend that you know that it would bless thank you so much and enjoy hi Faisal. welcome to the connected generation i'm really excited about our conversation thank you very much for having me nike um i know it's evening for you so thank you for for making the time away from your kids to, to be here today. No, 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 no worries at all. I'm excited to hear um, about your journey. Um, you founded Chinetacare, which is the first family health office globally. How did you get here? Tell us about Faisal's life journey. Well, it depends how far you want me to go back. <laughs> <laughs> depends on how far you want to tell us. <laughs> how long well, have we got? <laughs> uh, no, so, I mean, background, look, I'm born in the Congo. Uh, just like you, I'm your neighbor, a um, mm-hmm. number of countries over. Uh, my father's born in the Congo as well. My mother's born in Tanzania, um, Indian origin. So mm-hmm. um, that's, you know, Gujarati at the core. Then I was raised in Belgium. Um, I finished my schooling in Canada, uh, went to wow. university in the U.S., so went to UPenn. Then graduated, worked in New York as an investment banker. And wow. basically our generation, well, my brother, my cousin and I, um, my dad was experiencing a hostile takeover from his cousins and uh, when I was 18. So he wow. asked us whether we would want to return to the Congo. And we made it very clear that we'd love to raise our children in the first world or quasi first world. Mm. And so please don't count on us to come back. So he made his decision accordingly. So for us, we were looking for opportunities, you know, new frontier, quote unquote. I know it's a little more rare to talk like that today. Mm. And Mm. so when the Berlin Wall fell, 
we saw Eastern Europe as an opportunity. And in 1991, we entered Hungary, um, which uh, was Eastern Europe at the time. Today, it's Central Europe. And we started our own brand of clothing. So we entered in 1991, 92. I moved to Hong Kong to run the buying office. And at the uh-huh. same time, decided to trade equator and down. So you have the African equator, right? And all uh-huh. the countries below, we started to trade in. And so in Eastern Europe, we started as our own brand of clothing, became the largest non-food suppliers to all the hypermarkets, etc. And eventually then became the largest licensee to Disney, Warner Brothers, Cartoon Network in the region. So Hungary, Czech, Poland, wow. Romania, that whole region. So that was a 20-year run. So that was one core business. Um, On the other side, the Africa side, you Mm -hmm. look a little dazzled. No, I have so many questions. I'm not puzzled at all. I'm just like, I'm taking notes and I'm like, I have like a billion questions. My brain is like, what am I doing with this information? Please keep going. Okay. Please keep going. Wow. So I moved in 92, never been to Hong Kong in my life. So it was pretty crazy. I was 23. Um, I know it sounds a little, I don't know, whatever. It's like, it's like going backpacking, but this is different. This is not backpacking. This is running a company. So my father, so he gave us a loan of 200,000 to start Eastern Europe. Uh And he gave a loan of 150,000 to start Hong Kong. So at a hundred thousand dollars stop loss out of the 150. And then obviously I had to pack my bags and go back to university because obviously Warden didn't teach me properly the first time. <laughs> so, so I wrote my GMATs before I moved to Hong Kong. <laughs> Did very well, by the way. Um, so I was ready to go back to another Ivy League to <laughs> get things right. But uh, lucky for me, I was minus 70. And then first year broke even, second year made you know, six figures. And after that, the rest was history. But curveballs were in store Mm. in the Asian Mm. financial crisis. um, You know, we basically lost all our retail earnings across the board. We had also in Eastern Europe decided to go into Georgia. So imagine Georgia Tbilisi in 1995. Wow. And we exited in 98. Uh, We found out some things about our partner that we were not aware of. Uh, I Mm. won't go into details. Uh, we actually walked away, which was, you know, quite interesting um, mm-hmm. after three years. But it was the greatest thing because it brought us back to focus in Hungary and the region. And then we just, knock on wood, just crushed it. So coming back to Asia, yeah. So the Asian financial crisis wiped us out. Um, and you were 20, sorry, you said you moved no, to Hong we were, Kong at 23. When Yeah, yeah. So when the crisis happened, I was 92, six years later. So I was 29 I just got married. Okay. So imagine I get married six months later. My finances are wiped out. Obviously, she has no clue. Physically, I end up with a slip disc. So this is just to give you some points of connection. You know, support system is normally your your finances and your loved ones, right? So that was the first warning that I got, which was in December 1998 of, you know, the body responding to you know, to what I eventually built many years later. And Mm -hmm. so 99 was a year of reflection. And then 2000, we decided to enter Africa, but on the condition that we would not move there. So Mm -hmm. we went into, you know, we were trading, right? Sub-Sahara. So we either then bought out some of our clients at Mm -hmm. 50-50, or we built from scratch. So we bought into the Congo, we bought into Mozambique, we built Angola from scratch, we built Mozambique from scratch, we built Sudan from scratch, etc etc so there we had four divisions fast moving consumer goods white goods generic pharma and anti-hiv drugs and general commodities Mm. so that was from 2000 until september 2004 where Mm. you know we had we were in 15 countries running business in hundreds of millions 10,000 employees I I was walking out of the doctor's office and he said, whatever God you believe in, please pray. Hmm. And then things changed very quickly. So I'll pause there. I don't know what you want to ask me or if you want me to continue. Yeah, I have so many questions, Faisal. (laughs) I have. (laughs) Your life was um, very global and very much 
And I want to, I want to take a step back and really learn more yeah. about like your dad and your parents and like the values in which they instilled in you and um, your exposure to the the business, so to speak, your entrepreneurial learnings, your early days. I want to learn more about that. Because this is just like, I'm like, you said you were born in the Congo, you were raised in Belgium, went to uni in Canada. I had to take notes. Uni in Canada, <laughs> worked in New York. <laughs> By 23, you're like in Eastern Europe. I'm like, sorry, in no, you started trading in Eastern, Eastern Europe, Europe and then, yeah. yeah, Hong Kong at 23. Like, that's a lot of like moving. Yeah, Where I did mean, look, that I, boldness come from? Well, look, I mean, A, of course, my father, you know, he started from nothing. So he started mm. to work for his uncle. So he's next gen at the age mm. of 18, became a partner at 30. Um, he, you know, they, you know, he always learned from, you know, he had a lot of Jewish friends. So he learned from them, you know, mm. to all the banking in Switzerland and the, and the nice watches and the cars and the clothing. And, you know, it was funny because the first, I remember going for the first time and, you know, I saw the bank account, it was discount bank of Israel. You know, and we're Muslim, right? And I'm like, yeah. what is this? <laughs> and he's like, be quiet. <laughs> you know, I was like, okay. <laughs> he said, they're the ones who taught us, you know, the old Marc Piguet and the Vacheron and the Patek Philippe and all the fun brands. And they taught us how to bank. So mm. we were actually part of a family, multifamily office. I remember since I was a little kid, since the early 70s. So wow. in, in Geneva, which is quite funny right when you think about it today because today it's like you know all sexy and it's like wait a minute these guys already figured it out in the 70s and we're waking up now thinking it's so you know such a new novel a la mode, a la mode. yeah <laughs> we're only 50 years yeah but it was it was a it was a pure money it was like an external asset manager to be honest it was not but i mean look don't know they i they did make other arrangements, but not to the level where today the family offices are operating, at mm. least some of them. I know today still most of them are external asset managers. Mm. So look, yeah, I mean, look, I, I, you know, we, at the age of three, I mean, I spoke French before I spoke mm. English. I went to a Belgian kindergarten. And then I went to the first year when I went to school, to international school, I didn't speak any English. So I had ESL for a number of years. Um, I didn't take French till grade seven because I spoke fluent French. Um, you know, we, my parents taught us Urdu instead of Gujarati, which I think is a mistake, but anyway, it is what it is. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the moving around the languages, uh, my father being a, you know, hardcore entrepreneur, um, you know, the head office was in Belgium, just like in our generation, the head office was Hong Kong in those days, cause it's the Belgian Congo. Right. So, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. yeah, he traveled six months of the year. So that was tough. For, for us, obviously, as you can imagine. But yeah, my first entrepreneurial venture was selling, buying candy from the, from the petrol station at the age of, I think, 10 wow. um, and selling them in school. So yeah. that was my first uh, venture. But as kids, uh, once we moved to the Congo in the summer, we had a company called Société Samedi Soir, which means Saturday night company. So we would, mm. we would get agencies, obviously through, you know, my dad and my dad's contacts or friends of ours, and we will sell the product. And it was, it was in the beginning, we would go into the market at 5 a.m. and sell to the mamas. You know, the mamas, as you know, like in Nigeria, mm -hmm. they control the market. Mm -hmm. So they used mm -hmm. to laugh that they have these three, you know, brown guys, right? Mundele, which is foreigner, right? Coming at five in the morning in this station wagon you know, and selling product, you know, from the back of the station wagon. And then we got a little more sophisticated. Then we started to deliver straight into the market. But then collection became a nightmare, right? The mamas mm. paid cash and these guys, you know, was credit. Uh, but before that, look, I worked in the money room, right, which is pretty smelly, to be honest. You know, the money's been everywhere. I think, you know, from Nigeria. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I know it's kind of rude to say, but you kind of, you almost want to vomit in there. So there was a room, all they did was count money. This is the days before the machines, right? And the machines, anyway, they would rip. Um, eventually, they just weighed the money and sent it to the banks, right? So it was kind of, you know, things evolved. Um, and so I worked there, worked in the warehouse. My dad used to be the importer of secondhand clothing. 
So imagine mm. already in the 80s, he was importing 30 containers a month of secondhand clothing. Wow. Yeah, mostly from the U.S. So he used to go to Philly. So imagine he didn't speak any English and he learned English because he had to deal with the Americans. So he spoke French, he spoke Swahili, he spoke Lingala, you know, and then English he learned because of business. And um, so, yeah, he used to go to Philadelphia, he'd go to Texas, he'd go to California, he'd go to New York to, to, to negotiate with the shipping lines. Um, yeah, I mean, they were players, like they were, mm -hmm. they played, they played ball, right? I mean, mm. you know, and um, so, yeah, so I worked in the warehouse carrying 100 pound bales, you know, so for those who, who know how to do math, that's 45 kilos per bale, wow. like you're, you're stacking these like 30, 40, 50 up. So it was the same size, but yeah. So, you know, we, we worked, we worked, we worked. worked. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We didn't, you we didn't had just... a full, like M the real life MBA by the yeah. time you were in your twenties. Yes. And that's, that's why. So when I was in New York and I was working for a French, um, bank, so we're doing mm. cross-border M&A, France, USA. Like I said, I speak fluent French. I know French accounting. Mm. And then they started to hire these American MBAs, right? These guys from Colombia and whatever. And I'm like, these guys don't know anything about mm. business. They don't understand mm. the meaning of cash flow. Do they even know what it means that you run out of cash flow and you can't pay your employees? They don't even mm. understand that. And it didn't matter. And so I quit was when I realized, well, one, I was able to be asked to do a valuation, give two, three options. Um, I assume, you know, you know, they always want two, three ways to prove it. And then they mm -hmm. would just take my file and, you know, negotiate. Then I said, okay, I'm done because I wasn't going to wait 10 years to be MD. Like I just mm. wasn't interested. So, so yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it, it's very different. Yeah. People mm. sitting, you know, unfortunately in some of these positions, buying companies, selling companies really don't mm. know what it means to run a company. Mm. Right. So, mm. but Hey, they make money, they do their thing and that's, the choice they make, right? The world mm. exists the way it does. We can't push against it, right? It just is. Yeah. So we had a very, um, very interesting upbringing that was, you know, you know I chose to go, like Canada was boarding school. I chose to go to Canada for mm. boarding school, which was an interesting experience as well. Um, I thought my chances to go into the Ivy League was higher if I was in Canada and okay. um, then in the Congo, which... I don't know if it's true, but that's the choice I made at the time. And um, yeah, it was, so there you are. <laughs> fascinating, fascinating. And so, yeah, I want to, you spoke about how when you were in Asia, um, you had the financial crisis and shortly around that time is when you, you got married and you also had a health crisis. And you were kind of alluding to the support of, two things are critical um, for one's well-being, um, like um, relationships as well as financial security. Can you unpack that a little bit more? I was just referring to the spine. So your spine is your support system, right? Mm -hmm. so, so at that time, the financial support disintegrated, right? But it was the, the companies were okay. It's just there was no retain earnings. But it was eight years of retain earnings, which is serious money. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, but I had just gotten married six months ago. Right. So and then so everything, everything disintegrated. And six months later, I had a slip disc and I can go forward if you want. So when when I was unaware, so, um, you know, we were I was asked, I'm going to go into detail, which I've never done, but maybe today is OK. Um, mm. I was asked we, we were supposed to go for separation documents. And when the lawyers met my former wife, they said, Faisal, she's gone, go for divorce. And I wasn't really ready and I accepted mm. it. And so when they gave her a separate lawyer and I wasn't aware, I was taking a shower and I put my arm up and my back snapped. And what had actually happened was she had actually just entered into the lawyer's office to execute the divorce. And so the, energetic, the energetics of that I actually ripped, ruptured my disc and all I did was put my arm up to move the shower Whoa. head. So I'm just giving you, you know, the, the, the energetics of a body. So a body mm. will respond to an emotional, mental, relational um, impact. And each mm. body part represents a different space. So when we are dealing, when, when a family is, 
is going through a challenging time, we are looking for the body part that's taking the whack. So many a times the basics are gut for the stress, which then impacts sleep. That's mm. very basic. Okay. Mm. But there's others. Like we had somebody who just, you know, she's like, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. And I kept pushing and she was very upset with me. This is a matriarch. And at the end, she was just borderline, you know, um, her, her, her liver was almost history. And she doesn't drink. She doesn't like nothing. She's completely clean. But she had fatty liver at a level where the docs were shocked. And it was mm. all due to stress. Wow. Because I was looking for the body part that was taking the whack. So I know it's a bit strange the way I'm speaking. But the reality is, is that your, your human health for us is, is we look at it in multidimensional where we look at the physical component, the mm -hmm. mental, emotional component, and the relational component. And they're all interrelated and they're all interdependent and they impact each other. Mm. So, mm. And, and that's the relationship we're looking at. So we look at a human completely. And so when something is happening, we look at, okay, how is that impacting the whole human system, which is a complex system, but a very intelligent system that protects mm. itself. Mm. So these responses mm. are protective. They're not the other way around. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, so I'm, I know we're going a little faster than maybe. Yeah, no, we're going to get into this. Like, this is really good. You were talking about how in September 2004, you had a health crisis. Can you share so basically, more about that? And I'm guessing it's from that experience. You then had this kind of insight into how this holistic wellness. Yeah. So basically, I mean, that that day, obviously, as soon, you know, when a doctor talks about God, you know, tomorrow is going to be a rough day. Right. So I, you know, went home, obviously called and had everybody stop traveling, um, specifically my brother and my cousin. And uh, the next day I did a PET CT in the morning and in the afternoon, he said, I'm very sorry, you have stage three cancer. And wow. this was 2004. So in 2004, that was felt like a death sentence. And at 35, that was the last thing they were looking. They were looking for tropical disease and mm. um, they were shocked when they saw and it was, and of course, you know, I always joke and I say big ego, big cancer. Um, the issue was that I didn't have one tumor, I had 10 tumors. And what? it wasn't even wow. the fact that there were 10, the two were very, very large. So one was the size of a Rubik's cube. So 10 by 11 by 11 centimeters in the back, in the back of my chest. And then I had a tennis ball in my neck, which is five by eight by eight centimeters. And then I had eight on my lungs that were one or two CM. So, yeah, so the next day I was admitted to hospital. They did a biopsy. But the key was that, you know, when I asked what happened, they couldn't mm. answer me. And that was perplexing, right? That you have the founder of The Cure advising me. Okay, he was based in mm. Indianapolis. He happened to be my, doc, my oncologist classmate. So he founded The Cure, but he mm. couldn't explain why I got it. And that's where, you know, the entrepreneurial or the, African, you know, we always joke, right? The, the, the African, you know, or the Gujarati, whatever it is, you know, said, wait a minute, this is nonsense. So you're telling me that I'm most probably going to drop dead at 35, you know, how to supposedly cure me, but you don't know why I got don't this. don't know why. And so that's where the inquiry began. And the inquiry began looking at how could I have contributed to an ecosystem within myself mm. to have created a fertile soil for the cancer cells to explode because we all have cancer mm. cells, but yours are dormant and they're behaving themselves, quote unquote, right? Mine went, you know, mine went for a serious party, right? Mm. They just went AWOL. So why did they go AWOL in my body and they're not in many other bodies, right? And then I started to look at the physical components, the mental, emotional components and the relational components. And from that, I started to realize that, wait a minute, this is not just about eating and, and, and exercise. exercise. There's a lot more going on that we need to take into account when we look at, you know, the overall human health, which includes well-being. Mm. And so that's how it all started to, you know, express itself or evolve or develop. Mm. Um, remember, I was in and out of hospital for 11 months, so I had time. Wow. I had no energy, but I had time. <laughs> 
Wow. Wow. And so... 20 rounds, yeah, 20 rounds of chemo, three surgeries. Yeah, it was, it was a rough, uh, rough ride. And so that inquiry led you to conclude that it was as a result of physical, mental, emotional, relational um, yes. factors. Yes. So health is beyond exercising, drinking alcohol, eating greens, <laughs> and what the doctors usually tell us. It's, it's yeah. more um, and wider and compassing than, than what they say. And so um, is this then when you then led to established Connecticut? Yeah, so it, it first started for family, and it was first interestingly focused. I was supporting other family members. I remember we're a big family, Gujarati, the, you know, we don't operate in fives and tens, it's in hundreds, who <laughs> were actually starting, who were getting cancer, and then mm. from cancer went to cardio, to orthopedic, to anything, right? So I started kind of supporting family members to begin, and it was first physical, you know, getting the you know, medical side, and then starting to unpack what's really going on. Some were open and some were resistant. Mm. Some were like, no, I'm not interested. And some were like, oh, okay, this, this makes kind of sense. Yeah, maybe I need to look at this in a much wider space. Mm. And, um, and then, yeah, and then nine and a half, well, 10 years ago almost, we, you know, I, I had the idea while I was in Dubai because I moved. I had promised that if I survive, I would leave. So I moved to Dubai in 2007, but mm. I moved back to Hong Kong in 2010. So the idea of doing this beyond the family was already there in Dubai, but Dubai didn't have the ecosystem at the time to be able to build it. So when I moved back to Hong Kong, I said, okay, now it's game time. And, um, but of course, as you can imagine, everybody laughed at me. I mean, I'm mm. talking literally laughed at me. I went to see every major CEO of every major bank, investment bank, um, you name you name it, and they just looked at me like, "Are you crazy? Like, what are you talking mm. about?" It sounds very woo woo. Yeah, they were like, you know, I said, "You're gonna have a chief health officer, chief energy officer, chief, you know, that's gonna be in the C-suite, that's gonna manage people in a very different dimension than HR at present." And they were just mm. like, "Dude, you're, I don't know what you've been smoking." So, <laughs> wow. And so today. Um use of family enterprises really around like this holistic health and wealth. Um, What are typically the presenting symptoms, so to speak, when they come to you and what's like the process that, you know, you take them through? All right. So, so basically we, every, every human being or family is in what we consider three, you know, a combination of three stages so all of us are in some state planning, okay? Mm-hmm. So whether it's legacy, whether it's we want harmony, whether we want connectedness, whether we, you know, whatever it is, there's some planning going on, right? Mm-hmm. Then the second is we're all in some form or another in transition, right? Mm-hmm. That either it's about empty nesting or I've just sold my company or I move from management to, to, to board or I'm planning succession or I'm thinking of, you know, starting an entrepreneurship, or I just got married, I just became a parent, you know, Mm. each of us, something is going on in transition. And then if we're honest, there's something that's kind of chronic acute, right, that there's a little bit of a relational dynamic issue, or there's Mm -hmm. a bit of a health issue that's kind of lingering, and I'm not really addressing, or there's, you know, some something going on with my spouse or my kids or my cousins or, you know, whatever it is. So, mm-hmm. so what we look at is what, you know, we have this, this chart, which is on the website anyway, it's very simple. And mm-hmm. we look at kind of, we show a family and say, where do you see yourself? So there's individual, then there's nuclear family, and then there's multi-generational family. And I say, where do you see yourself? Where do you see the nuclear family? And where do you see the multi-generational family? And then they start to circle and, mm-hmm. and, so, so they come for different reasons. They come for different reasons and they come at different points. Um, initially, there was, of course, a lot of reactive, right, where people mm. were coming in because there was a lot of pain, um, whether it was physical, whether it was relational, whether it was divorce. I mean, we're still dealing with all that. Don't, don't get me mm. wrong. Um, mm-hmm. Now there's a lot more transition mm-hmm. and planning, but a lot of transition, right? Because when, when a mama if they happen to be, you know, 
whatever it is, right, is empty nesting, you know, it so happens to be at the same time as premenopause. And as a result, that whole process of, of purpose and process of that physical space, you know, is, is something that's very challenging, right? Mm. When somebody sells their company, you know, we get a lot of those. They've sold their company and they're like, what do I do next, mm. right? And many a times they come to us for what I do next, but there's also a lot of what they didn't do while they built the company and created mm. that needs to be supported, right? Which IE are mostly relationships mm-hmm. or their physical health or their just state of being, right? So, so different reasons people are coming and, um, but yeah, more and more it's family dynamics, a lot of family dynamics, but also a lot of personal transformation, right? That whole mm. next stage, that whole next mm-hmm. step or taking mm-hmm. the game on a leadership level to the next, to the next level because people mm-hmm. are physically fit, they're doing really well, but they want, you know, what is quoted as mindful leadership or, or collective thinking or, you know, impact, you know, mm. so those, so they're coming in for those reasons too, where we're like, can you help us take the game to the next level? And again, we're looking at it as a whole human, right? We're mm. not just looking at, and, and um, so, yeah, so we have an assessment process and then we have pathways and depending on if you already know what you're doing, sometimes you go straight into a pathway. And if you're just exploring, then, yeah, you do a eight-week to 12-week um, assessment, which involves eight or 11 experts. And, um, and then you get to have a few mirrors on blind spots that uh, you may or may not <laughs> want to have seen. I uh, this is just completely fascinating to me um because you spoke about how when you first had this idea everyone laughed at you and now look at how you've built up like this model and you've got a multidisciplinary team all over the world serving enterprising families what do you see in the future with this integrative health and well-being and wealth in this space how do you see this all playing out um, I, I think that, you know, our, our push is to bring well-being into the family office system, right? Mm-hmm. Um, whether you build it yourself or you have somebody externally do it with you. Because at the end of the day, we call it a family office, a family enterprise, a family business. Mm-hmm. How much time, energy, and resource are we putting to the, for the family? And that's what was the original drive to bring back the family first. Now, people don't like that because they say without the enterprise, the family would be compromised to a certain extent, which is fine. Mm -hmm. So let's at least make them equal or important, whatever that word is. Right. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. just like when you have a family business or, or, or a family office, you do a lot of forward thinking planning and there's a lot of resource available. But when I'm going through life. I've just gotten married or I just became a parent or I'm just starting entrepreneurship or I'm having some you know, some, some doubts of, of what's happening. Why not have this infrastructure ready where everything's a phone call away, mm. right? So that mm. if I don't know what to do and I'm stressed, I just pick up the phone and, and the resources are available. I don't have to go figure it out myself because I could have had something that happened at home with my spouse and you could have mm. something that happens, but you're a go-getter, right? And you make some phone calls and you go, you get yourself somebody to talk to and you nip it and it's done. Me, I'm kind of like, you know what? It's going to be okay. It'll work itself out. I put it under the rug and I wait. And then it just, you know, and then all of a sudden, by the time I address it, it's very late, mm. right? So if the infrastructure existed, even though I have that personality, I, if I know it's a phone call away, I'm going to make the phone call, mm. right? Unless I really am in denial, which is, you know, which is a different topic. So, so the idea is that, A, the dream is that it becomes a default availability to everyone. And this is not about me marketing genetic care. No, this no. is about yeah. humanity, yeah. right? The well-being of the family so that we all have peace of mind. We all know that, you know, we have support as we journey life. So our objective mm-hmm. is to, to help families have, have the agility and adaptability to truly be anti-fragile. Mm. as they move through the world because COVID 
supposedly was a black spot, swan, but was it really? Mm. Right? Mm. And how prepared were we? Because it's not just about resilience. It's beyond that. Right? So right now, the new word is resilience. Right? But it's beyond that. It's let's go to Taleb's real meaning of anti-fragility and take the game to that level. So the first is, of course, we are focused on, you know, as you know, the family enterprise is the largest employer in the world. It's the largest yeah. contributor to GDP and has the most impact, you know, capacity-wise in philanthropy and day-to-day to community and society. So mm-hmm. we are focused on this group because they are the largest influencers mm-hmm. and can have the largest impact on the world. So if you want to shift, if you want to go now to the next level, you want to shift consciousness of humanity, right, and really take the game to the next level, these are the leaders or the future mm-hmm. leaders of the world. Right. So our focus initially is that. And then we pray. And this is our next phase is to bring this to the rest of the world. Right. In an affordable manner that it becomes a default for the globe, just as a human, irrespective of your citizenship or, you know, where you live, whether you're from, you know, like me, the Congo or Canada, or I don't even know where I'm from. But anyways, (laughs) global citizen. So, so that's kind of, you know, what, what, so there's, there's different steps, you know, because Mm -hmm. remember, as you know, succession is a major challenge. And I think that's, that's really, honestly, deep down, it's insulting, right? If you're the Mm -hmm. largest employer, you're the largest contributor, you're the large, you're able to make more impact than anybody else, but you haven't figured out succession. I mean, it's a cosmic joke. I'm sorry to say. Um, and why do you think it's so difficult for folks to figure out? Is it this underlying relational, emotional, mental? Yes, yeah. yes. Because you see, unfortunately, whether we like it or not, right, most of us are approaching the family dynamic piece very quickly in the collective. Mm. Right? We're going straight to the collective without really unpacking the, the, the individual, individual and the historical, self. right? In our case, if, we're, if somebody comes in and wants to focus on family dynamics, there's an eight-month process minimum, and mm. I'm talking weekly, okay? Weekly uh, with an expert. So it's only one session a week. It's not like we're talking about 10 hours, just one hour a week. But mm-hmm. for eight months with probably eight experts to... Mm. Do your personal work. So the first four months is really foundational. So you're really looking at beliefs, patterns. Um, you're looking at drivers of behavior. You're looking at if there is, which there always is, right? Trauma, things like that. And then the second is you start to build out and really, you know, transform. And then the third is the integration, which mm-hmm. is the last four months where we start to bring the family in. And even mm-hmm. then, it's not the family all at one time. It's kind of combinations and permutations of, of, of stuff that needs to be cleared. Mm. And then we present it to somebody like yourself or to an advisor and say, you know, we're, we're the sous chef. I always joke with the advisor. I go, we're the, we're the ones you choose, you know, what you want to cook, which is the family, right? We cut it up. We cut it up. We cut the vegetables, the spices and everything. We keep it ready and you just cook, which is the constitution, the governance, the shareholder agreement, right? But let us do the prep work. And the better the prep work, the more sustainable whatever you're creating, right? Which is, you know, the the document of how we do things and what we represent and who we are. Mm. So that's kind of, you know, what what I feel is the missing piece, right? That we are not spending enough time and energy and resource on the individual and the family, right? But the individual particularly, and we're going straight to the collective. Yes, there's all this stuff that you show up with that, you know, I always joke with, you know, I've, I remember sitting with a family in London and I'm like, how would you like to take that 40, con- 40 foot container of stuff and, and, and make it into an essential backpack? And they looked at me like I was crazy. They said, is that possible? I said, yeah, if you're ready to, if you're willing to do the work, we get rid of all the noise, right? Mm. Like when you write a book, you've written, you just finished writing your book, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm writing my second book. Right. And, and when you started, you just there was all this stuff. Yeah. Right? And then you had an editor help you to 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 bring it to the to the essence. 
And then now you brought it to the world. It's the same thing. I have all this stuff about my mom, my dad, my brother, my uncle, my cousin, my, my childhood. My, and a lot of it is misperceptions because mm. I gave the meaning when I was two, when I was three, when I was seven. When I look at it as an adult, it's like, hmm, wait a minute. Maybe I'm a little off. Maybe I didn't have all the data. Maybe that's not mm. what they meant. Maybe that's not what actually happened. Right. And, and that's impacting the relationship. Right. Mom, dad, brother, sister, uncle are doing their best with their level of consciousness at that time, including myself. Yes. If, you know, when when I was, you know, when I was married, um, you know, in the 19, whatever, late 90s, early 2000. Of course, if you ask me today, there's many things I would have done differently. Right. But at that time, I did my best. Mm. Right. Yes. Some were good choices and some weren't. Okay. Whether it's as a spouse, as a parent, as a, you know, as a partner or as a leader, I I would do it differently, but Mm. Hey, it's done. It's gone. Mm. Right. Mm. But I can either sit back and look at it and celebrate and also acknowledge and reframe. So I don't do the same. Mm. Right. But my dad did his best. My mom did her best. My former spouse did her best. Everybody, all of us, mm. right? So it's it's not about going and 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 you know unearthing for nothing. It's really a, to unearth so that it, you know, that doesn't impact my choices mm-hmm. going forward and the relationship and my state of being. Sorry, I mm. went into a lot of detail. No worries. Sorry, I have one last question. Do you have time yeah. just for one last? Yeah, question. yeah, yeah. I'm here. I'm just wondering, a lot of people that are listening to this may be thinking and reacting that does it really require all that individual work and, (laughs) you know, and I was going to ask you to kind of articulate the benefits of doing this, like what's the return on investment, so to speak, in our usual business language. But I then thought, you know what, maybe that's not helpful. I'd like to understand the psyche of the families that approach you and are willing and prepared and committed to do this work, why are they? What do they see in this and the value that they derive from this? Look, some, some have realized that what they're doing isn't working. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I, you know, I, I, I made a trip. I, I just came back from a very long trip. And what I'm hearing from a lot of the people doing governance documents that post during COVID and post-COVID, a third of what they've, what they've prepared is not working. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of numbers. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of acknowledgement. So some are coming because it's not working, right? Others are just, you know, realizing that they don't want to take the risk, right, of having an eventual issue, right? Mm-hmm. They're acknowledging that we're putting stuff under the rug. They're acknowledging that, this siloed, siloed way of doing things, right, is not working, right? It's like, it's like saying I go to the medical system and I just have, I just look at one slice mm. of, of my body and I don't look at the rest and there's nobody to integrate it, right? Mm. A human is complex, right? Even from a medical perspective, even a business, like, oh, I'm only going to focus on cash flow. I'm not going to look at sales. I'm not going to look at margins. I'm not going to look at you know, all the different pieces of a business, right? I'm just going to look at one piece. You can't run a business like that, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And also when you ask one person to do the work, right? So imagine you're the CEO and you're asked to do the job of the CFO, the COO, the CIO, and the CTO, mm-hmm. but you're going to do all of it. And that's what's the approach we have to families. We have one person trying to be all, Yeah. Right. They're what we call may most many times effective, but they're not efficient. Because mm-hmm. if you ask me to do the operations, yeah, I can do it because I built it. But am I efficient? No chance. Yeah, I can do the finance because I can read, you know, PLs and balance sheets while I'm asleep. But does that mean I can sit and do one from scratch at the pace that my team can? No chance. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's 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 so they're coming A when it's not working, but many now, like I said, are coming because they realize and they acknowledge that we need to go much deeper, Mm -hmm. right? And we need to go a lot, um, 
how to say, not just deeper, but also wider, right, mm-hmm. as we approach it. And, and look, to be honest, a lot of it is coming through referral, mm-hmm. right? The majority of the work is coming through reference, right? Whether it's another family, whether it's an advisor, um, you know, because the advisors realize themselves that this is mm-hmm. the missing piece. Mm-hmm. It's not that they don't realize, mm-hmm. right? But again, it's, they cannot force someone to do it. They can just suggest and say, look, it might be a good idea to kind of spend a little time as we go through this governance or constitution process to do a little work, mm-hmm. right? Individually and as a family, so that it's truly reflective of what you want going forward, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of legacy and, and, and some are open and some are not. So, mm-hmm. you know, the advisor can only do what they can do. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, so yeah, it's, 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 but, but you're right. It's, it's not a, you know, it's, I guess maybe it's not for everyone. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, it's, they, 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 they don't want to look under the hood. A lot of people are not ready for that. <laughs> it's scary. Yeah, but and I can also tell I you, think it requires a mind shift, a mindset shift. Look, I tell you, Nikkei, this is the thing, right? People ask me, Faisal, so when am I ready? I said, you're ready when you're ready to invest 60 minutes a week. And they're like, what? Mm-hmm. I said, yeah, 60 minutes a yeah. week. They're like, oh, anybody can invest 60 minutes a week. I said, yes. And I said, just know that, you know, our core team is 25 experts. Okay, and you'll be working with about 12 of them in the year. And remember, they are specialists in those specific things that are there. And they are very gentle. They're very loving. They're very kind. Remember, our brand has care in it. Love and Mm -hmm. care is our number one value, Mm -hmm. right? And they're very effective. So it's not that you need to go and spend, you know, like they're unfortunately doing, hours and hours and months and months trying to unpack one item. Most of the time, it can be unpacked in 60 minutes. That's Mm -hmm. how efficient the process is. So it's about testing, right? Showing up and seeing how quick and fast it can be, mm. right? So it's not, look, I'm, I'm, I'm a business guy, right? I happen to be in this space because life, I don't know, dragged me, presented me, whatever the word is, right? I'm, mm. not a, I'm not from that world. I'm from the other world, like you, right? I'm from the family enterprise world, but now I'm on this side. So I understand both sides. And mm. so a lot of people are effective, but they're not efficient because they're not working in integration with this many modalities, Right. Mm -hmm. So for us, it was how do we make this process easier? Because I don't want people to go through pain. Right. Mm -hmm. So pain is inevitable. Suffering is a choice. Right. So we want to make it. That is good. Sorry. Keep going. Yeah. So so it's how do we help you. Right. Process the pain that I know is not a choice. Right. But Mm -hmm. keep the suffering to the minimum because suffering is when you resist what is. Whoa. Right. So, Whoa. so, so yeah. it's really, you know, um, I mean, look, I, I have a gentleman that, that, um, you know, we're, we're onboarding and he just, it was very simple. He said, I just want to be accepted for me. Mm. And this is a patriarch of a very successful company. It's like, I just want to be me. Mm. That's it. I asked him, what is your, give me three objectives. He just gave me one. He said, Faisal. I just want to be accepted as me. Don't don't try to change me, please. Right, and that's all he said. Mm. Right, and he's ready to do the process with his spouse and his kids. Okay, and that's all he wants. Mm. It sounds so simple, right? Mm. Powerful, powerful. Um, pain right? is inevitable. I mean, Suffering is a choice. Suffering is when you resist what is. Right? So, I mean, don't, Nikkei, we all want to be heard. We all want to be seen. We all want to be acknowledged. We all want to be celebrated. Mm. Right? And that's for everyone. Mm. And imagine you're a patriarch. You've built this incredible enterprise. You've done so well. You provided everything for your family. And at the end, all you're saying is just, I just want to be me. Please, just let me be me. How much more basic can it get? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So imagine somebody comes to you and says that. How are you going to unpack that? Yeah. As an like, advisor on your own. Right? It's heavy. It's very heavy. 
you understand and mm-hmm. and it's about everybody knowing what the objectives are you have, you have a collective objective the collective objective was we want to spend more time as a family right in harmonious and joyful conversation mm-hmm. versus resistance and you know con- conflictive that was their objective as a family so what does that mean we all need to show up in a state of being that's not what is because mm. we're showing up with stuff we're getting triggered we're projecting mm. Mm. right but if i come in in a calm centered space and i do my work and i only bring up the essentials and i actually speak where i meet you where you are because i understand where you're coming from mm. because now i've understood oh there's all these different ways of of sharing and speaking and 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 being able to relate okay oh i understand now mm. right because there's a world beyond me mm. right everybody's not me right i've had my experience in in congo and angola and these places you've had yours in nigeria and the other countries mm. right you know when i say when i tell people i feel safer in angola than i do in some of the major cities in europe they're like what i said yes because i understand the system and it's predictable mm-hmm. here it's not not hong kong i'm talking about some of those cities and they think mm-hmm. i'm like completely out of my league but you understand it mm-hmm. right because mm-hmm. you understand the meaning of a system mm-hmm. and predictability right mm-hmm. so it's the same right coming back to this family it's like they're asking simple things you know they're not asking for the world mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. but it's how does one as an advisor unpack that what is joy mm-hmm. joy to me and to you could be very different indeed indeed right and so so these are the things right that that you know and and i mean i can go into one more example where for example when somebody comes in and they say we want to plan for the next gen i mean you're the you're the next mm-hmm. gen mm-hmm. specialist right and and it's just funny so i had a family come to me and and uh, we work with them on values and a lot of other things that we're working with one of the brothers in depth and um and they said oh face we want to we want to prepare the next gen and i said please go to everybody else come to me last <laughs> so i they said why i said because you love me and you hate me so you know that's true so they did all their you know math and came back 3 months later they brought all these presentations and I was like wow go for it they said no but you haven't told us what you want to do i said it's completely had nothing to do with what they're talking about so everybody had all the you know the plan of you got to do this and education and you know mm-hmm. with all due respect okay all of that is absolutely necessary mm-hmm. okay because without that it's a it's a disaster waiting to happen so every piece they proposed was on the money right the education on the family office side on on the money side on the personal leadership all of that was just on the money right but i said but there's a bigger there's a bigger item here they said okay what is it i said if i'm the next gen you've created a toxic tank i don't want to go swim in it clean your tank and i'll come swimming if you don't i'm not coming <laughs> and you can imagine the reaction right nikay luckily i was not there you are swim. bold <laughs> You said the stuff <laughs> a lot of us yeah yeah you understand yeah. look yeah. okay let me be honest i'm paid to say what nobody wants to say i'll be very honest okay i sit with some of the you know i know you do too right yeah. and i say what nobody wants to say but you know what i cannot sleep at night if i don't cuz there's okay? a lot of intergenerational trauma that is possible yeah so i said i said you know please I said this is my point of view you don't have to listen right and the reality was so we ended up spending a whole year actually more than that right where where they worked on themselves and then they worked within each other there was a lot of crying there was a lot of celebration there was a lot of acknowledgement there was a lot of incredible transformation that happened mm. the business is thriving okay the relationship now is understandable where let's say you and i are are one of the siblings and you're one of these people that has ideas flowing without doing all the math necessarily and i'm this conservative guy going wait a minute you know i need to know 50 things before i'm going to open my mouth but now i understand nikay's the ideation woman mm. i'm the boring execution guy <laughs> right without nikay we're not going to do amazing mm. things 
But before, I would be like, oh, here goes Nikki again. Here we go again. Oh, God, Nikki losing her head. Oh, yeah, whatever. (laughs) Right? But now it's like, wait a minute. Wow, I value the fact that we have this difference between us. Mm. Right? And then you start to value that, yeah, without structure, I can't have the spontaneity. Mm -hmm. Because you're the spontaneous one. But I need structure. From the structure, I have the springboard. And then I can make a splash. Mm. Right? So, so. A lot of acknowledgement, a lot of ability to communicate because a lot of things were not said, mm. right? You weren't respecting, let's say, travel or you weren't respecting, you know, a, 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 a number of things which we had agreed to. How do we have that conversation? Mm. I don't because I don't want to upset you and you're going to get upset. But now everything's getting unpacked, right? Now you've done the work between the siblings. Now, unfortunately... Mm. Many are not trained like we were trained. We were trained not to come home and say anything. Mm-hmm. Like literally say nothing. So we don't taint our spouses. But unfortunately, in most cases, that training is not existent. Yeah. So they <laughs> and they taint and they their spouses. The junk, yeah. Right? Now the spouses are tainted. And then the spouses and themselves taint the children. Yeah. So first you have to clean this. You have to do the work on the spouses and themselves, right? Male, female, doesn't matter. Then you have to work on the spouses and then, and then you have to, you know. So, yes, it takes time. But you know what? It's a choice, Nikkei. It's a choice. You know, I'm not, look, I'm, I'm you know, I'm not a flavor for everyone. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's be very clear, right? My people are very loving. They're very kind. My experts are really not me. They don't talk as boom as I do. Okay, mm-hmm. but, um, you know. They will call a spade a spade. Also, they're not, you know, but they're, you know, they're very gentle about it. Mm-hmm. You know, while I'm a little more, like you said, a little more bold. So, <laughs> so I'm just giving you one example as a very different approach to mm-hmm. what most people would do in succession. And and look, it's it's created, you know, a very different atmosphere for the next gen because they saw the work being done and the spouses are excited to do the work mm. because they saw the incredible relationship that the siblings have have today that they Mm. never had. And they also value now the other siblings, like I just explained with you and me. They start to see, they go, wait a minute, you know, together, one plus one plus one plus one is 1,111. Now that's a lot of power, Mm. right? Mm. So now they start to see the bigger picture because they see the harmony that's happening, mm-hmm. right? And they start to see the value of the family enterprise, which means the family within the family enterprise. And I think when you ask me, what are you, I'm saying, you know, as you know, you know, uh, Philip and Iraj and Kenneth, they've, they've, mm-hmm. they've come up with the circular economy, right? The, the whole space. And that's, that's what we're trying to bring is that the value and the perception of the family at this moment is very limited because of this family dynamic stuff that's going on. Mm. If you look at today, the respect and the value they have for the enterprise, it's unbelievable. And it's Mm. not because they're doing very well financially, right? Mm. I just had a call last week and things are getting again, bumpy. Okay. As you know, the world is getting bumpy. So now they're, Mm -hmm. it's getting bumpy, right? But they're, they're okay. They're ready, mm. Mm. right? Because they're able to communicate. Mm. The favorite word, right? Communication. What do you want to work on? Communication, <laughs> right? And the other word, what's the other one? Family dynamics, which mm-hmm. is code for we have a problem. Dysfunctional. <laughs> <laughs> we have stuff to, to work through, yeah. Yeah, but for us, it's, it's about love. How do we move towards love? How do we move towards care? How do we move towards gentility, respect, honor, celebration, acknowledgement, right? How do we move towards that Hmm. individually and as a family, right? And from there, everything's possible. Mm -hmm. Faisal, wow. Um, This has been incredible. I love the picture of cleaning up the toxic tank. I really love it. I think it really... (laughs) It, for me, that's when I had the aha and I fully got it here and here, like the work that you're doing. Um, 
yeah, we we can treat the stuff as presenting stuff, the education, the you know, the um, governance, the structures and whatnot. But if we don't clean up our toxic tanks inside and with one another, what is the succession we're talking about at the end of the day? As you say, it's about the family. It's about the love. It's about the harmony. It's about the vitality. Um, Thank you. This has been incredible. I need to listen to this like a few times. Um, But I just want to take one step back. It's There are many families who are coming that want to take the game to the next level. So it's not about just the downside. There's yeah. also the upside. upside. They have a great, they have a good relationship. They have a lot of good stuff happening and they want to thrive. They want to mm. be in a state of joy even more than that already exists. So there is still some, we all have cleaning to do. I'm doing cleaning yeah. every week, right? I have my experts, you know, beating me up every week in a loving way. Right. So I, I don't want to be known as the toxic tank cleaner mm. either. Right. <laughs> we, are, we are we are doing that. Let's be honest. I'm not going to to mm. you know, say otherwise because we all have cleaning to do. Right. It's spring cleaning. Of course. Right. It's, it's course. every year we do spring cleaning. Right. And I think that's what's important, too. Are we doing the spring cleaning or are our closets getting, you know, full of stuff that we don't need stuff that's yeah. no longer relevant? Stuff that's we need to let go, mm. and it's the same thing from the from you know some of the mental imprints and the emotional imprints and and you know so I always say this we control two things in life the meaning we give and our response yeah. and each event has a physical, mental, emotional, and relational imprint, mm. right? And that's what we're looking at when I say spring cleaning, do we need to let go of some of those imprints? Do we need to reframe those imprints? Because mm. maybe it weren't contextualized, mm. right? We didn't really know the big, the full picture, right? And that's the spring cleaning I'm talking about. So, so yeah. Powerful, powerful. And if anyone yeah. wants to get hold of you, learn more about Genetica, you, how best can they reach you? So yeah, the best, I mean, obviously just go on the website. I mean, you have my details, you know, send us an email, pick up the phone and, um, you know, we're here, we're here to serve. And again, you know, we're, it's more, you know, like I said, our core values, you know, love and care. So it's, it's really, you know, we're, we're playing a very different rule set than, than most, but Hey, I'm alive. So why not? Right, Nikkei? <laughs> mm. <laughs> Second well, lease on life. Uh, second lease yeah. on life. So better better make it count, right, Nikkei? What do you think? <laughs> of course. And you better are behave, making it right? count. This is, this is sacred work. Um, thank thank you. you for this contribution. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. Thank you. No, no. Thank yeah. you for having me, Nikkei. It's always been a pleasure. I haven't yes. gone into some of the details I went in today, so I hope uh, it wasn't too much. Uh, oh, gosh. My, my team is going to be like, face home, behave. <laughs> <laughs> But hey, you only live once, so why not? So, no, no. Thank you. And uh, sorry to keep you up late. I know it's getting late for you there. No worries. uh, It was worth it. (laughs) Thank you. Thank Thank you. you. I love this episode so much. Um, I love that Faisal was this very well-accomplished entrepreneur and he was beasting it, right, in every sense of the word. But then he chose an alternative path and... He's doing for his clients what he did and showed to himself, and that is demonstrating love and care. And I love on Genetica's website, they put love and care, the world's rarest commodity. So true. And I loved when he said, and it really stopped me in my tracks, he said, challenges are given. So pain is inevitable. Suffering is a choice. Suffering is when you resist what is. Frankly, I'm still unpacking that. And I think every day I get a new kind of inspiration as to what that really means for me. Pain is inevitable. We will go through challenging circumstances. We will go through pain, but we can choose to suffer. My goodness. And we choose to suffer when we resist what is. Blown away. Blown away. Then I love... The work that they do at Genetica, this integrative health and well-being, the concept of this interrelational, holistic health and well-being factors, looking at not just 
the physical, but also the mental, the emotional and the relational. And how health and well-being are not an afterthought, but they are fundamental to harmony and generational continuity. And they share this on their website about how your family's health and well-being are paramount for harmony and generational continuity, which I find so true and such a breath of fresh air in today's society. So I'd encourage you to stew on this episode. It's one that I've been listening to for quite some time now and I still get more juice from it. Stew on the episode and reach out to to Faisal to learn more. He's such a compassionate, empathetic person and it's a gift to know him. Thank you so much for listening in. As always, take good care and God bless you.